0: This is The Space Shot, episode 18 for June 1st, 2017. The dream is alive. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and newsfix. I'm John Mulnix. SpaceX has postponed the launch of a Falcon 9 rocket until this Saturday due to lightning near the launch site. The SpaceX CRS-11 mission is now scheduled for this Saturday at 5.07 Eastern or 4.07 PM Central Time. This launch will be the 100th from launch complex 39A and the sixth launch that SpaceX has conducted from this historic pad. Since the mission has been postponed until Saturday, I'll talk more about what Dragon is taking to the International Space Station on launch day. And now we've got the biggest shot of pop culture history since I started the podcast. On this day in 1985, the Dream is Alive, the IMAX movie, is released in theaters and museums across the United States. As a kid... My parents can attest to how many times I watched the VHS version of this movie. I'm pretty sure I wore out the tape for this one. The movie is narrated by Walter Cronkite, and it has footage from multiple shuttle missions, including some of the space shuttle Challenger and some of the astronauts that were killed during the Challenger explosion. The Dream is Alive is only 37 minutes long, and I'll include a link to the movie in the show notes. And now to boldly go where this podcast has not gone before. We've got some Star Trek pop culture. On this day in 1984, Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, released in theaters. The Search for Spock followed on the success of The Wrath of Khan, building on the aftermath of the events that took place in that movie. For those of you that haven't seen The Wrath of Khan or The Search for Spock, I don't want to spoil too much, but these movies have kind of been out for... 30 plus years so I don't really feel too bad doing that. Also The Wrath of Khan was released on June 4th 1982 so I figure it's close enough to June 4th that I can get both movies in one episode here today. So here's a quick breakdown courtesy of the overly dramatic 1980s movie trailer for The Wrath of Khan. Beyond the darkness, beyond the human evolution, is Khan, a genetically superior tyrant, exiled to a barren planet, banished by a starship commander he is destined to destroy. Left for dead, he has survived. I will chase him round the moon of Nibia and round the Antares Maelstrom and round tradition's flames before I gave him up. I've done far worse than kill you. I've hurt you. And I wish to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me. Marooned for all eternity. Buried alive. Buried alive. up! At the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. Star Trek II. The Wrath of Khan. So, long story short, and spoiler alert here, Spock dies in Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, saving his crew by sacrificing himself while repairing the Enterprise's warp drive. The entire plot of Star Trek II revolves around something called the Genesis Device, Which is basically a super powerful terraforming technology that can take a lifeless rock and turn it into an Earth like planet. Through a very unfortunate series of events for the captain of the USS Reliant and his first officer, Pavel Chekhov, Khan discovers that Starfleet is testing that terraforming device. At the end of Wrath of Khan, Spock sacrifices himself to fix the warp drive of the Enterprise. This allows the ship to escape the harmful effects of Khan going and blowing himself up along with the Genesis device. During this process, Spock is killed, and that's what sets up the events for Star Trek 3. The crew of the Enterprise leaves Spock's body behind. They launch it towards the Genesis planet, where it somehow miraculously decides to land in the middle of a jungle that has just formed on the Genesis planet. Fast forward to Star Trek 3 now the crew of the USS Grissom finds the empty torpedo casing that had carried Spock's body. Around the same time, everybody's favorite baddies, the Klingons, show up, blow up the USS Grissom, and try to get as much information as they can about the Genesis device. So since the Genesis device can create life from lifelessness, It can also destroy the existing life forms if deployed against a habitable planet. So say it was deployed against Earth, it would wipe out all life on Earth in favor of the new life forms that the Genesis device would create. This dual use of technology, being able to use it for tool of creation to feed millions, or also to kill millions and billions of people, the Klingons are naturally interested in securing the technology behind this ultimate military weapon, as Christopher Lloyd's Commander Krug says in the movie. While Star Trek III definitely had some pacing issues, it had a lot of exposition. Uh, I think it's one of the more underrated Star Trek movies. There's some interesting themes that are explored, from the dual use of technology to resurrection and the concept of a soul, or in this case, a Vulcan Katra. It's definitely worth checking out Star Trek III, If only to see Christopher Lloyd play a Klingon instead of his iconic Doc Brown in the Back to the Future movies. The other piece of Star Trek history that I want to talk about briefly today before I go is the Next Generation episode, The Inner Light. In this episode, Patrick Stewart's character, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, is rendered unconscious by an alien energy beam of unknown origin. This makes him think he's living out an entire lifetime on an alien planet when he's actually just been unconscious on the bridge of the Enterprise for a few minutes. This episode is an interesting look into how a society might preserve its legacy and history, making sure that the information that they have gathered over the course of their civilization is saved for future generations. On a funny side note for the Inner Light episode, the flute that Captain Picard plays in this episode was sold at a Christie's auction in 2006 for $40,000. Pretty crazy for a glorified recorder, if you ask me. Tomorrow, we survey the moon with Surveyor One, the first American spacecraft to make a soft landing on the moon. I'm grateful that you guys have taken the time to listen to the show. It would mean a lot to me if you could leave a review on iTunes and in Google Play Music. If you know someone that loves space, space history, or history, pop culture, any of those topics, please share the space shot on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, anywhere you connect with your friends and family. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.